Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. As an early adopter of the triple bottom line framework, the premium confection company Endangered Species Chocolate has been doing well by doing good for 30 years by responsibly sourcing ingredients, supporting fair trade, prioritizing sustainability, and giving 10% of its annual net profits to conservation efforts. But while the company's efforts are admirable and indeed impactful, as illustrated by its ability to give more than $3.1 million to its global partners since 2016, ESC leadership two years ago asked itself if its approach to doing good was good enough. And the answer, surprisingly and perhaps a bit painfully, was no. The realization that the company's big, hairy, audacious goal set in 2016 of giving $1 million back to conservation annually, inspirational as it once was, forced ESC on a, quote, soul-searching journey that Chief Revenue Officer Whitney Bembenik says unlocked a new vision for the company. She explains in this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nut podcast how ESC's revised mission to see joy through abundant giving and to do good better led the company to adopt a new marketing strategy, inspired a suite of innovations, and led to additional retailer support to expand distribution with the ultimate goal of giving more by doubling the business. When Endangered Species Chocolate launched in 1993, the idea of creating a sustainable, natural, great-tasting chocolate and donating a significant portion of the profits to a good cause was a novel business model. But as the idea of a business could grow and succeed by doing good expanded and was adopted by more companies, Bembenek said that ESC leadership began to feel complacent and that the company needed to do something new to stand out, increase its impact, and better connect with consumers to its mission. So the company was founded on two passions, one for great chocolate and the other for conservation. Those are two things that still fuel us to get today. They've just taken on bigger um, objectives and goals and aspirations through our vision to do good work. So we bring that to life from foundation to today, 30 years later, through our 10% Giving Forward program. But what we've really focused on in the last few years is how do we take that further? We give forward 10% of our net profits to organizations that are making an impact in what they're really, really good at doing, which is typically focused on conservation. But we feel the need and the desire and the passion to go out and make sure that in business, we're using restorative practices that leave a lasting and positive ripple. And so this has helped us turn our eyes inward and outward in the ways that everything we do can make that positive impact. And that's been from day one to now year 30. We will continue it on for the next 30 what has changed is I would say about two years ago, if, if that, Kurt Garcia would come to me and said, hey, I feel like we're just complacent. I feel like we're flattening out. 
what are we going to do? What is it going to take in order for us to guarantee the next 30 years of growth for endangered species chocolate and the impact that we make? So we wrestled a lot of different things around and ultimately um, recruited some um, executive advisors who brought us down to mission, vision, value first and asked simple questions like, do your mission, vision, and value statements resonate with you? Are they, are they the things that get your team up in the morning? And are they the reasons that your consumers engage with you? And in full transparency, we looked at each other and said, no. We looked around the room and we said, no. At that time, our vision wasn't much of a vision statement. It was a BHAG. It was a big, hairy, audacious goal. And while that big, hairy, audacious goal was very aspirational to say, we're going to go out and give back a million dollars a year annually. Wow, what a tremendous impact that has. Was it really a vision statement that our consumers were inspired by or even expected when they came to endangered species? Was it aspirational enough? And we said no. So we took a soul-searching journey, um, and we read a lot of books, including one by Jeff Henderson called Know What You Stand For. And through it all, as an organization, as a leadership team, we developed revised mission, vision, and value statements that weren't just statements or words, but were really things that we felt already were organically living and breathing in the brand, inside our four walls and outside our four walls, but they just weren't being lived out or prioritized in the right way. So our values are to serve, to give, and to cultivate others. And we do everything by those values. The team at Endangered Species Chocolate knows if you get lost at any one point in time in anything that you're doing for the organization, come back to the values and get you against them, and that will set you on the right direction. Our mission statement is to see joy through abundant giving. So you can see how we've gone from saying, yeah, we give 10% back, which a lot of companies have now kind of gotten on the bandwagon of having their own giving programs and things that they do, none quite like endangered species chocolate, but there's some out there that are, are adding the BSG type activities. We're saying we're going to seed joy through abundant giving in everything we do. And our vision is to use restorative practice, business practices that do good better and leave a positive and lasting record. It's a audacious vision that may never be able to be fully achieved, but that's what makes a great vision statement. One way Ben Bennick says Endangered Species Chocolate plans to meet this audacious goal of doubling the business so it inspires joy through abundant giving is through new product development, including seasonal innovations, as well as filling what Ben Bennett calls unmet jobs within the chocolate category. We believe in jobs to be done by every category that you find within the grocery store. And so this principle of jobs to be done says that when a consumer comes into the aisle or the virtual aisle, they have a job to be done by that space. And the, the brands that are served to them in that category serve those jobs either really well or not really well or maybe somewhere in between. So what we look to do is understand what are the four jobs to be done by the chocolate category. We identified those a year and a half ago. So 
Um, just top line, and I won't go, I won't recite the five. I, I don't have them directly in front of me, so that would be pretty impressive to get it solely from memory. Um, but the, the chocolate category is still an indulgent space where consumers want to treat themselves, and that overarching theme is there. The iterations on it are treat myself, but feel good about it. The iterations are reward myself but not be inconvenienced to do so. Don't make it too hard for me to enjoy my piece of chocolate or my treat at the end of a work day or at the end or in the middle of an afternoon when I'm, when I'm having my cup of coffee. Um, we did see consumers bring forward that they all have different health and wellness goals, so they just want options that are health and wellness oriented. No one specific to say, I need gluten-free, I need vegan, I need low sugar, but to just say, bring me solutions to my own personal path, whatever that may look like. And then the one that is overarchingly so important to the confectionery shopper is their need for you. And this is proven by things beyond even the jobs to be done for me, but Customers come in with an exploratory mindset when they come into the chocolate space. They want to see something new and something fun that they haven't experienced before. And so that's an easy one, right? That's a layup for anybody doing innovation because new is new. But it needs to be meaningfully new that matches alongside some of the other jobs to be done with the space. And from there, we went to understand through qualitative and quantitative studies what are the most important ones? Once we zoned in on, let's say, the top four or five jobs to be done by the category, we mapped them out with the consumer to see which ones were being met well and which ones were not being met well. And what that creates is a white space to say there are consumers coming into the aisle and they have jobs to be done that are not being met well, either not being met or not being met well. How do we as organization create something that will solve that for them? And so um, that is the start of the pipeline. We went through focus groups and we did brainstorming and we had, oh my goodness, for every job, probably 10 to 15 different ideas of how endangered species could bring that solution to the consumer. And that's where your mission, vision, values shows up. Because everything that you eventually make through this funnel should check the box on delivering the mission, vision, values of the brand. In addition to the job that the consumer wants and the hole in the market and the form and function that the retailer can or cannot put onto their shelf. And if you can't put it on there, how do you solve that for them or work with them to best create a solution for your mutual customer? This process inspired the recent and upcoming launch of nearly 20 new products, which Bembenic explains taps into consumers' desire for indulgent, yet better-for-you chocolates made with ingredients and in a way that they can feel good about. The innovations also address consumer concerns about packaging, as well as their desire for higher-quality, fun, and snackable products. The indulgence piece we know um, is attention for the space in general, right? How do you bring an indulgence to the consumer that is better for them and, and makes them feel less guilty about treating themselves? Because 
if it doesn't taste good and it doesn't feel like a treat, they're not coming back for it. The repeat rate is going to be very, very normal. Um, so the way that we did that is we really looked then at what's out there that the consumer views as a treat or a reward, and how do we put a, an endangered species chocolate um, quality to it. So we do have a line of mini chocolate bars that use coconut oil as opposed to some of the other ingredients like a, a palm oil or butter oil um, as a center, you know, base with, with chocolate. We are using um, sustainable chocolate sourced from the Purple Horizons program that's on a mission to fully eradicate slave labor with um, the food shop child slave labor. And then we use our whole ingredients. So for our milk chocolate almond mini truffle, it uses our real diced almonds that you um, have come to love in one of our shop selling chocolate products. So that's one way that we did it. We also looked at it from packaging. So we're using um, recycled materials in our flow wrapping that wraps the individual mini truffle pieces. And then our stand-up pouch is also um, made with eco-ready film. So we looked outward beyond just the product and how we could do good better through the product. So that's one way that we are solving that tension and how we came to life for it. In other ways, um, in the baking category, a space where there's really some low performing, I guess you would say, um, baking solutions out there in the natural space, we put performance first before we went with a baking um, product line. So we have four baking chips two that use oat milk and the other two that are more traditional, one is the milk chocolate and one is the dark chocolate, but all of them had to go through um, our quality tests and make sure that they would be high performance um, baking chips when they're being baked, melted, and et cetera. And then um, one of our more exciting things is the category, and this is so relevant because we're seeing it all over in trade publications, but 67% of sales um, on average are done in the seasons, in the holidays uh, throughout the year. So endangered species was inverted to that. Uh, less than 1% of our portfolio was sold through the seasons and the holidays. Um, so that was definitely an internal realization to say, oh, if this is when chocolate's being sold and, and being purchased, we probably should be serving our clients um, or customers with a solution from our marketing source. So we are bringing something to the table that really no one else could do. I mean, I guess they could do it, but they might seem pretty silly. Um, <laughs> we have developed for uh, Valentine's Day, Easter, Halloween, and the holiday season, stand-up pouches that are resealable of animal and iconic-shaped chocolates. Um, so there's about 14 pieces, uh, roughly, in every bag, milk and dark chocolate varieties. Um, so two scoops for every season. And so for Valentine's Day, we have a koala bear and a grizzly bear and a heart. And for Easter, we have a butterfly and a bumblebee and a tulip. And, and it goes on for both Halloween and for holiday. And so that's why I giggle and say, I guess somebody could, could make animal shapes and tulip shapes if they wanted to, but it might just may not make as much sense <laughs> um, as it does from endangered species chocolate. And then lastly, our most disruptive um, and what we believe is really going to pull the category forward in 2024 is a product called Dip Enjoy. Um, and it's not really been released quite yet. This is something that's going to be in market at the end of Q1. 
but this is a product that combines the behavior that we observed many of our customers, including our CEO's wife, um, doing, and that is breaking off three squares of an interspecies chocolate and dunking it into their jar of peanut butter or their jar of almond butter. We are delivering that in a single serve um, grab and go, take it with you in your lunch or um, for your break or whatever format called Dip and Joy. And so it is chocolate batons nestled in a tray next to three different dip types. So three skews, one that's peanut butter, one that's almond butter, and one that is um, caramel. And so it's a experience like nothing else the category has seen before, but we know it's something that consumers are doing and we are bringing the solution to them so that they don't have to get peanut butter all over their knuckles when they dump that stick of chocolate into the jar. Uh, it's in a completely custom tray for this product and a beautiful sleeve and packaging um, that'll be available, like I said, in the market at the end of June. ESC ties its approach to innovation to its mission of seeing joy through abundant giving by making space for consumers to engage with its products on different levels. When we think about feeding joy, sometimes that is the joy that that person feels when they take a bite of our chocolate. And we maybe put a little bite of joy in their day that now they will ripple forward with a smile to the person that they see next or Maybe it was in between phone calls since I'm having a lot of calls today, right? So I would think about I had a bite in between calls and I might just be a little bit more joyful in my next uh, conversation. But it, it goes past that, right? And that's where we have to continue getting better at the way that we make doing good better accessible for our shoppers and making sure that it is what matters to them because there's the people that get the joy from that bite of chocolate. There's also the people that have joy knowing it's made with sustainable ingredients and fair trade sourced cocoa. And there's people who really, really connect to the species that are on that package that are portrayed on the inside of the wrapper through the fun facts that, um, yet again, Elaine is the, the, the person that gets to do the research and come up with. So we're just trying to understand the breadth of how this vision that we all come back to, this aspirational vision, can be something everyone gets to partake in from whatever place they're in. The second way ESC plans to double its business to give more is to expand its distribution, including through its partnerships with Walmart, which Ben Benick says is possible thanks in part to adding a dedicated sales team member to focus on large accounts. One big shift that we made just even this year is we have a dedicated resource um, on our sales team to our largest accounts. Uh, she has no other responsibilities other than serving these key customers. And so she's able to go deeper and wider with the purchasing teams of those retailers. And she's even been really digging in with another one of our retailers, understanding why maybe their system doesn't trigger an order because of this MOQ on another product. And so getting into that nitty gritty detail that, I mean, holy cow, it's detailed, right? And you're tracking POs and you're tracking um, shipments and so forth. That's, I think, what's moved the needle for us the most. We do have a new partnership that we're really just thrilled with with Walmart and our baking line. They carry 
two of our relationships, the oatmeal and the 75 and 55% cocoa flavors that we have. And even to the extent of partnering um, on the merchandiser tray that those chips are displayed in and using that um, category merchants expertise and what makes a great display system for baking chips has been an awesome experience for us. But getting ahead of the ordering and the scheduling and having the individual dedicated resource, which I think is commonplace in a lot larger organization, but maybe not as much in a, in a, in a company on your side. As the company expands its portfolio and distribution, it's also expanding its giving including to 30 charities in 2023 to mark its 30th anniversary. Bembenek explains that ESC is more aggressively telling the story of its giving and the impact of its donations to mainstream consumers so that they better understand how their purchase is also doing good. Looking forward to the next three years, if not the next 30, Bembenek says ESC will continue to innovate and expand distribution as it strives to double its business so it can further support conservation and more consumers can experience joy through abundant giving. With that, we have reached the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope that you'll join me in the new year for another installment. And to help you remember, I encourage you to subscribe. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week and a happy new year. 